So good morning all. Um, I'm going to jump right in for, for the sake of time. I have some announcements. I wonder if I could ask you guys to stand just one last time, uh, just for a little while, because I've got uh, actually a lot to share with you this morning. And don't get nervous. You will leave at some point. Um, but I want to quickly share. Uh, firstly, obviously, we have some in the, in the body here in the church that, had, that got COVID. And so we canceled last week. We can't obviously cancel every time someone gets sick. But we've done it once before. When a person is on staff with us and they get sick and they were actually in the office, we just know people would be grateful to do that. And so we just did that and all the staff got tested and so forth. And um, so that's why we canceled last week. It's just we have trust and faith in God. We know that. But we also have brains. And, um, and we also are just common sense. So... We did that, and just to let you know, that's why. Um, my dad has, my mother and father, my mother's here, my dad and uh, Josh, one of the elders of the church, is up in Ohio ministering at a church right now, and he's going to be doing a conference. We've advertised it a bunch, but we haven't for a few weeks, and I was going to speak about it last week, and then, alas, I could not. But I encourage you, for those who don't understand, or for those who have never understood, or for those who want to go further in the understanding of genuine spiritual warfare, and to the point of casting out demons. Casting out demons, if you're not saved this morning, what I'm about to say will probably freak you out a little bit, but that's okay. Um, casting out demons was about one-third of Jesus' ministry. There's a lot of misunderstanding about it. Hollywood has taken it and made it something that it's not, but it is actually, it happens frequently here, and often people aren't even aware. It doesn't have to be loud and crazy and screaming, but it is actually in the Great Commission. It's actually what he told believers to do. And we grew up with it. It was a very normal part of life in Africa, dealing with the demonic, dealing with things that come at you from the kingdom of darkness, which the Bible is very clear about. So I'm going to read you one scripture, and as you can tell, I'm going fast, just to show you some of the misunderstanding. Can we quickly do that? And then I'll, I'll let you guys sit down, if that's okay. It says here, Jesus says, it says here in Luke 11, verse 14, And as he was casting out a demon... Uh, sorry, and he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was, when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. So who was mute? The demon. He was casting out a demon, and it was mute. You see that? So, have you ever prayed for people for those kinds of things? Have you ever, ever actually laid hands on people or prayed for deliverance type things? Okay, raise your hands real high. All right, so at least some. A spirit of fear, for example, doesn't make you afraid. It is afraid. That's its nature. It's a spirit. Just to be practical, it's, it's a spirit. It doesn't have a body. Jesus said, when a spirit goes out of a body, it seeks a place. It's a spirit. So it needs a body for expression. The spirit of fear will express its nature and make you afraid. A mute spirit will express its nature and a person becomes mute. You don't have to have fear because you have, he, he was, within you is greater than he that's in the world. But it does happen. More than you think. Where do they get that from? They are not creative. The kingdom of darkness, he has, he doesn't, it's, they can only counterfeit what God does. From the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside you desires to express His nature. Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, power. When you have received power. Acts 1.8. Hello. 
It's part of the actual great commission given to, not to preachers, yes, us too, but given to God's people to preach the gospel and to cast out demons. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I encourage you. I, I really encourage you. I am not trying to just flatter my father. I'm not. I've traveled a lot. I've rubbed shoulders with some amazing great men and women of God. I have not ever met a person who has an authority in this area like my father. Never. We've had people that come from ministry schools that if I told you the names, you would know them, famous across the world, that have been to multiple ministry schools to try to get freedom, and they couldn't help them. They came and sat in that chair with my dad for 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and they were free after 20, 30 years of oppression. I want to encourage you. If you want to grow, if you want to learn something about this, this is clear in the Bible. It's going to be this week, Friday, Friday night, Saturday morning. And he's going to do ministry. I encourage you to come. Amen? I encourage you to come. All right. Why don't we take a seat? It's like the first time. We'll just pretend. All right. So we're in a series of simple devotion. I, um, this is going to be the last of the series. I'm going to just, uh, you know, a heads up, a warning. I'm going to throw a lot at you, a lot, today. And... It's not about remembering it all. It's not about, you know, being able to go and quote it all and remember it all. But I'm going to throw a lot, of, a lot at you on purpose because there's some stuff we've got to tear down and then there's some stuff we've got to rebuild. The Bible says in Romans, anything that is not of faith is sin. That doesn't mean I need faith to go to the bathroom. Okay, it's just normal. It means anything that you're doing that is of the kingdom, anything that you're involved in that is of the kingdom. If there's not genuine faith, what is faith? A conviction in my heart of what I'm doing with an understanding of what the unseen realm is doing. A conviction of what I cannot see. If you're doing things, going through the motions, many believers, especially those who grow up in Christian countries or grow up in the church, which of course it's wonderful to do, but as I did, people just go through the motions. Why do you do this? I don't know. We've just always done it. The Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. So when a person gets into these religious cycles and they just kind of go through the motions and that's what we do because that's what we've been told to do, and what actually happens is they're training their heart for unbelief. We're going to do something, but we don't actually expect anything to change because there's no conviction about what happens in the unseen realm. There's no conviction of truth which sets free. There's no conviction of what they're doing. So, and that is one of the things, I don't know why, but since I was a child, that's one of the things that God has called me to, is to bring truth, especially in the area where it's something we all kind of know. So, we, in a series of simple devotion, we try to make it as practical as possible. This one won't be that practical. It's practical already because it's talking about communion, which we're going to take at the end. And this is just for display, don't worry. We have little cups that you all should have under the chairs. But we've, done, we've covered prayer, trust, renewing of the mind, and the giving of thanks. Practical things that can help a person in just their daily devotion to the Lord. So it says in Acts 2.42, the birth of the new church in the New Testament, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, that's communion. To breaking of bread, which is communion, and prayer. They devoted themselves to these things. Now, we've covered, in a sense, the rest of them. The apostles' teaching is just the New Testament. 
we've covered that in almost every aspect. We keep speaking about the word, the word, the word. I want to do a separate message on just the importance of Scripture, the importance of the word. Without this, we have nothing. But I'm not going to do that. I just felt God put it in my heart to actually speak about communion. There is, can I have one of those little cups, please? There's so much power in this act. Thanks, Aaron. It's an act that we get to do. There are things that God has called us to do and given us to do that, you know, he's given us something that we can do, like fasting. Fasting is a biblical way to humble yourself. You can humble yourself by thinking about it. So he's given us a biblical, a, a physical act to do, laying out of hands, fasting, speaking, confession. This is another one. And it has tremendous power, but unfortunately it's very misunderstood. And it's been made what it isn't in Scripture. So can we go here today? Who of you believe the Bible is inspired and inerrant Word of God? Put your hands real high. All right, wonderful. So what we look at today, if it challenges you, take it up with the Lord. And not with me. Because it's in the Bible. Okay, uh, can you turn if you have a Bible, please? You can go to Matthew 26. Lord, we thank you while you turn there. I'm just going to pray. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this amazing act, this ritual that you've given us of communion. And Holy Spirit, we ask today that not my words, but your word bring revelation and freedom and power to what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 26. So, Matthew 26, verse 17. Now, on the first day, this is Jesus with his disciples just before he's crucified. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Firstly, unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Leaven in the Bible is sin. And so they're eating, with, they're eating the Feast of Unleavened Bread with Jesus Christ, the bread of life with no sin. So there's so much symbology in what we're going to cover today. We cannot cover it all, but I'll, I'll touch as much as I can. And he said to them, verse 18, Go into, into the city to a certain man and say to him, teacher, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Notice Passover. Okay? The Last Supper started with Passover. Verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. All of you. Let me say, if you're an unbeliever this morning here with us, we'd love for you to come to know the Lord, and we'd love to pray with you, and bless you. But what I'm talking about today is I'm dressing believers. Communion is for believers. You shouldn't take it if you're not saved. I, I encourage you not to, but we desire you to come to know the Lord because if you take it when you're unsaved, it can actually do you harm. But if you take it and you know the Lord and you're saved, it will bless you greatly if we have some understanding. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when he returns, until that day when I drink it new, <coughs> sorry, swallowed wrong, drink it new with you 
in my father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. These two, okay, the, the, the bread is inside there. So I'm just going to say these two, but you can only see the so-called wine, even though it's grape juice. These two, with, with these two, there, everything was covered. Everything. Every victory. Every battle. Everything that Jesus came. Everything that Jesus won. Everything that Jesus conquered is represented just by these two. There is nothing that wasn't won that is not just here, right here. Nothing. And I'm going to hope to show you that today. I can't show it to you exhaustively, but just to give you the heart of it. Okay. All that, if I put the display here, the, the bread and the wine, the body and the blood, all that the body of Christ accomplished, I'm talking physical, not body of Christ as in God's people, physical body of Christ, all that his body accomplished, you actually can receive and take hold of in the act of communion. And a lot of people just know about the blood of, the blood of Jesus, but they don't know about the body, what the body actually accomplished. For example, Jesus called himself the bread of life, the bread of heaven in John, in John chapter 6. And he com compares it to manna. He said, your fathers ate manna, bread from heaven, but I am the real. That was the shadow. I am the real thing. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And he made no attempts to explain what he meant. I love how secure Jesus was. And everyone, a lot of disciples walked away. He didn't go then, oh, what, no, what I mean is. And he just turns to his disciples and says, are you going to leave too? He says, drink my flesh, eat my blood. In fact, in John 6, I don't think it's going to come up behind you. Verse 53, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You know that scripture that says, my words are spirit and they are life? Peter says, your words are spirit and life. Jesus said, the words I speak to you are spirit and life. That's always true of everything Jesus says. But if you look at the context, what he's saying is, the words I'm saying to you right now, in them are spirit and life. And he's talking about these two. Do this. And when you do it, you actually receive the zoe, is the Greek word, the life of God, vitality of God, just by taking communion. What else? His body was the word. The word. He was the word made flesh, John 1.14. He became flesh. He was the word and became flesh and dwelt in our midst. So you receive something of revelation. It empowers revelation in your life and truth just by this when you do this. It's not instant. I take it and then, wow. No, no, it, that's, that's not a magic pill. It's a lifestyle. As you begin to partake, revelation starts to come to you because he is the word. The Bible says his flesh was the veil that was torn. When the veil was torn, you had access in Hebrews. The Bible says that veil that gives you access was his flesh, literally meaning when it was physically torn from his body. The Bible says that the physical body of Christ is a promise of our resurrection. His body, he is the firstborn from among the dead. He is the firstborn of many sons. Romans 6 actually says, um, he who eats this bread will live forever. Meaning salvation, but we do it demonstrating it with communion. The Bible says that the body of Christ is the very life of God. The Bible says that in the body of Christ is divine health. By his stripes we are healed. Physical bodily healing in Isaiah 53 in the atonement. Physical healing. It's a big deal. 
All that the blood has done. Redemption. I won't go over this. I did a whole series on this recently. You are redeemed. You are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You are justified. That's peace with God. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Because His blood was sinless. You are sanctified. You receive the life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Leviticus 17. The blood that speaks in heaven. It's alive. It's not congealed and dead. It's alive. And it speaks in the, court of, in the high court of heaven on your behalf. It speaks better than that of the blood of Abel. Book of Hebrews. The blood that gives you access or entrance to enter boldly into the presence of God. Because of the blood of sprinkling. There's, there's, I know... There's a lot here. And death itself is defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ. All that the body and blood of Jesus accomplished, which is everything, is accessible to you. All that it accomplished. We've made it so small. You know, just take it, examine your heart, make sure that this, you don't have anything in your heart. And Friends, we've made it small. It's so powerful. Communion proclaims his death because it points us to the cross. Communion points us to his return. We're going to cover this. And communion proves, reveals this incredible great love that a groom has for his bride. And communion should be taken with joy. It used to be a whole feast. It wasn't just a little serious introspective moment. It used to be powerful. Who would like to see that return? Yeah? All right. So now we're going to read 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to go through this. What I want to do, accomplish now, what I'm trusting the Lord to do, is to open our hearts to free us to the truth of communion and to free us from some of the things that we maybe think in our mind. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14 to 22. So we're all going to put our thinking caps on today and trust God for revelation. Yeah? Yeah? Because there's going to be a lot. Therefore, my beloved, verse 14, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing. He's speaking about this. The cup of blessing which we bless. (coughs) Sorry. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The cup of blessing. So I always, I want to have conviction. I want to know what is it actually saying? Because if I was an unbeliever, what what does it mean? You know the word blessing there is the word eulogia? It's where we get our word eulogy. You know when you go to a person's funeral and you give a eulogy? That's where we get it from. It means bless. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. So the cup of eulogy, but he's alive, which you eulogize. Meaning what? When you take it, use your words. What do you do when you go to a person when you give a eulogy? You praise them. You tell everyone what they did. All the good things. You don't... Bring now there's no bad in Christ, but you don't tell them of the worst stories. Guess what I know? Like, you don't do that. You eulogize. You, you honor. The cup of eulogy, the cup of blessing, means use your words. I'm going to take it. It's not just in my mind. I'm going to praise. I'm going to tell people what he's done. I'm going to think of what he's accomplished. I'm going to say it. I'm going to proclaim it. <laughs> and it says... The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion? Sorry, Dan, can you mute me? I've got to clear my throat. Can you go? Uh, the man behind the soundboard actually has the most power over the service. Because <laughs> at any time he can go and...
But so it says that word communion, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about the, 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 the covenant fellowship, koinonia, remembers the term? That word communion, we think communion means this, and it does, but it actually is the term koinonia, means biblical covenant fellowship. So you could say it this way, the cup which we take up, which we bless, speak of, bring attention to, is it not <clears throat> the covenant fellowship we have with him through the body, through the blood of Jesus Christ about everything that was one? That's what it's saying. Let's read on. The bread which we break, is it not the communion, the covenant fellowship? It's any fellowship where there's a covenant. Is it not the communion of the body of Christ. For we, though we are many, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. We all come through Christ. Observe Israel after the flesh. It means now Israel in the natural, in the Old Testament. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar, in the Old Testament sacrificial system? What am I saying then? I love how Paul like, says, okay, you probably didn't understand. So let me try again. That, that an idol is anything... Or what is offered to idols is anything, rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. What is he talking about? Pagan practices. These were Corinthians. These were Greek mythologists until they got saved. Even in the beginning of the book, Paul says, some say I'm of Cephas or Peter. Some say I'm of Christ. Some say I'm of Apollos. They were saying... Okay, like I follow this and you follow that. Why? Because they had multiple gods. Polytheism. The God of this, the God of this, the God of this, the God of this. And so they would go into these temple pagan feasts and offer food and partake and sacrifice and have this feast and get drunk. And in a sense, they're doing that. And these false gods, if you wanted to know what all the mythologists and all the... The Bible tells us they were demons. Do you see that? So they were offering to these demons, and in that they had like fellowship somehow in the spirit with demons. And then they were like, oh, okay, those gods, and oh, also Jesus. So now we go through communion like the great apostle Paul told us, but they were doing the same thing. Now they're having fellowship with demons and fellowship with Christ, and Paul, what does Paul say about that? He says this, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Now today, in most churches, I hope, most people are not doing this. <clears throat> if you are, stop. It's not a good idea. So most people are not doing this. So sometimes we read that and it puts like fear in our heart. But the context is a Greek mythological People that were coming out of that, doing something without understanding and joining, in a sense, holding God's hand, holding the devil's hand and saying, let's all be friends. And Paul says, no, <clears throat> that's not a good idea. So, but it shows us that when we take communion, there's something supernatural that takes place in fellowship. You see that? Now, let's go to the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 11. Go to verse 17. You're all with me. Now I'm giving these instructions. Imagine an apostle, <clears throat> imagine someone that we look up to that really speaks like Greg Haswell, who's actually coming on the 19th, by the way. 
uh, of December. He's coming back to help us close out the year. We're very excited about that. But imagine he writes a letter to the church. He says, I do not praise you what you are doing. It says that. This is written to the church. He says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Imagine telling a church that. You're really just messing it up. He says, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Basically, those who were coming were so free in their heart with an understanding of Christ, they were not getting offended every five seconds because of, you see, some of what they were dealing with. And they were free from other people. They were free from offense. They were, and those were the mature. And it revealed those who weren't mature. That's what he's talking about. Imagine the body of, imagine if Paul wrote to us today. And he says, and therefore, verse 20, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Let me explain. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. I love this next one. What? The Bible is actually very funny sometimes. Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Remember that, those who have nothing. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. It's making it very clear. So what was happening is they were coming together to do communion, but there were some wealthy and they would bring all the food because it was like a feast and a celebration, and they would come together and they would bring all the wine, the body, of the bread and the wine, and they would come together and they would gorge themselves and eat before those who had no money and means of transport could get there, and they, by the time the poor got there, by the time the people they're supposed to be loving and reaching, they got there, there was no food left and everyone was drunk. That's what it said. Now, are we doing that today? No. Just remember this is the context. Hello. I see some of you looking at me like, huh. For us, where are we? Sorry. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. Some people say he heard this from Luke and the, and the apostles because he quotes exactly what Jesus said. But he says, I received it from the Lord. This was of a man who said he went into the, into, into the third heaven and was, w couldn't say some things that God revealed. This is the great apostle Paul. And in everything that happened in those supernatural experiences, what I think I'm reading here, what it actually says, is that God literally, Jesus spoke to him about this thing. That's how important it is. He says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night, in which he was portrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, this do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Remembrance there is actually not even a, yes, it's a reference to memory, but it means a practical calling to mind the, with affection of the person themselves. For as often, third time the word often is there, as you eat this bread 
and drink this cup, you proclaim, eulogize. Remember that we, we say stuff? You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread, this is where we're going to get into this real quick. Whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So, first he says, when he had given thanks, he broke bread. Paul says, for what I received. Now, I said this last week, or two weeks ago. That, who knows the word, the Eucharist? That just means giving thanks. That phrase, giving thanks, is the Greek word, Eucharistio. That's where we get it. So some people call it the Eucharist, some call it communion. Communion means fellowship. Eucharist means to be grateful, to give thanks. Literally, in the Greek, that's what it means. Okay, why? <laughs> because we are giving thanks for everything that those two things accomplished, everything that his body and blood did. It is not just saying grace and being thankful for food. That's what we've, you know, quickly say grace before the food. Friends, Jesus didn't cause his flesh to become veiled and literally torn apart, torn asunder so that we could be grateful for food. It's good to be grateful. But it's to be grateful for what his body accomplished. Everything, there's so many, I just gave you some examples. The word, physical healing, divine health, the opening of the way to the Father. <laughs> it's actually also a proof of his Messiahship. It says, my body is broken. If you know the prophecies that it says the Messiah, his body will be broken, but his bones will not be broken. And this was everything that happened to him in his suffering was literally fulfillment of all the prophecies of long ago. And the people that did it to him had no context of those scriptures. They weren't even Jews. He fulfilled every single one. It was proof. His body was proof. I am the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. And we've taken it to, Jesus, thank you for my food. Or I just need to make sure I have nothing in my heart when we take communion. It's much more than that. Then he says, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken. <laughs> Help me, Lord. In the Greek, that word take, that word eat, and that word broken is not there. It says in the Greek, this is my body, which is for you. But in Matthew 26, when Jesus said it, in Matthew 26, that word take is there. But you know what that word take is? It's lombano, it's receive. You will receive power, lombano, same word. Freely give, freely receive, same word. In Matthew 8, he says, he took upon himself, quoting Isaiah 53, our infirmities and our sicknesses. That word took, same word. What's he saying? In Matthew, when he says take, eat, he's saying receive. Receive in you what I'm about to pay for. Receive it. Because he says in Matthew 8, he took our infirmities, he says, because I am going to receive all your sin." All your sickness, I will receive it into me. I will take over it. I will take it from you. I receive that so that you can receive life. That's what he's saying. That's what the Greek says. Because he himself bore our infirmities and our sicknesses. So, 
Now let's read this again. Go to verse 27. We're going to quickly do this. Count with me. Okay? Let's make this interactive so no one sleeps. Count with me when it refers to the physical body of Jesus. Okay? Therefore, whoever eats this bread, that's speaking about the body, okay? or drinks this cup of the Lord, that's the blood, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body. That's the body, physical body. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread, which is the body, and drink of the cup. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You know when you've heard, examining your heart, that you, know, you don't have anything against anyone, and then go and take communion? Who knows what I'm talking about? Okay? Now, they take it from that verse. Because you're not discerning the Lord's body. The context is the Lord's physical body, but they say, oh, but when it says not discerning the Lord's body, it's talking now about the body of Christ. The context is his physical body. Sorry, I'm not angry. But people need to be free. The context is his physical body and what his physical body won, your healing. We've taken it and made it something introspective and about us. It's about your healing, physical healing, divine health, vitality, life, energy, revelation. And it says, because they weren't doing this, what happened? Which now makes sense. For this reason, many are weak and sick and dying. Now, that doesn't mean you should be afraid. Oh, I don't understand it. I don't want to take it. No. What was happening? They were combining sacrifices with demons. You're not doing that. And if you are, stop. Okay? They were trying to do both. Then they were getting drunk in the house of the Lord, getting drunk and forgetting the poor. You're not doing that. So they were opening themselves into the monarch, denigrating God's holy body. And because of that, that was manifesting physically and they were getting weak and sick and dying. Because when they held this in their hand, they didn't know what power this carried. They didn't know what they were holding in their hand. <laughs> For as often as you eat this bread and drink this, club, this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The passion says this, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story. So can we quickly now go retell the story? Is that all right? We're going to look. I'm just going to let you know. I'm going to go a little long. This is so important. Can you guys give me grace today? We're going to look very quickly at the Passover, and then I'm just going to read you something about Jewish wedding practices. Then we're going to do communion. So much is not understood, because when Jesus ate the Passover, Matthew 26, what did it start as? As a Passover. Where we're going to eat Passover. We read that in the beginning. Go to Exodus 11, verse 4 to 5. Let's retell the story. Why? Because one of the passions of my heart is I want to understand it like they understood it. I want to understand how they saw it. I want to understand what it meant to them. Because it's like broken telephone. We lose it over the ages. I want it to be because and they walked in power and freedom and authority. They weren't afraid to die. And we say, oh God, bring the early church. That was the baby church. We should be beyond that. So I want to know how did they understand it? What did it mean? Well, let's go look. Exodus 11, verse 4. Then Moses said, Thus says the Lord, this is the institution of Passover, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. 
who remembers the story of the Passover, okay? From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on, the, on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of all the animals. That's going to happen, okay? Then the Exodus 12, next chapter, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the, house of, in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month you shall take um, for himself a lamb, like an actual physical little lamb, could have been a sheep and a goat, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. If the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next. In other words, if there's, they had to eat everything. So if it's like too small, just go with your neighbors and the two of you will eat everything. Okay? Then it says, verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same th- on, the, on the same month. So in other words, for four days. Think about the little children. They're taking a little lamb. Oh, look at the little lamb. Four days later. Right? That's what happened. Why? Jesus is triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Four days later, he's crucified. It's the prophetic picture. It's pointing. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. The book of John, I think it is, says that Jesus was crucified at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread, sinless, bread of heaven. And with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled, and it gives you... the Verse 11, thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. So they ate the first Passover, which is showing us communion. They ate the Passover with excitement. Why? Because they knew after this we're going to be set free. That is the spirit and heart of how we should take communion. I'm partaking of something that still has power to heal, to set free, to deliver. Man, I'm excited. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you in the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over. That's where the name comes from. I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, the Passover in the Old Testament commemorated God's deliverance, God's salvation from Egypt. Yeah? Because they did it every year. So it pointed, as they would do it, it pointed back to this mighty deliverance God worked for them. Mighty salvation. It then pointed forward to that there's a coming Messiah. So their Passover pointed back. Point it forward. It's the same thing. Communion for us points back to the great salvation at the cross. Everything the blood accomplished, everything the body did, it points back saying, remember and walk in it. It says, you proclaim the Lord's death. What then? Until he comes. Communion then points forward to his great return. It's the same thing. Points back to remember, to, to apply, to feel it, to know it, and it points forward. He's coming back. 
we've made it all about us. Make sure that your heart and do this and, you know, be kind of afraid. And we've made it all about us and all about how we're doing. And it's actually about Jesus Christ, the cross and his return. With celebration in our heart, we can take it knowing, man, I can be sick and take this and I can just trust God for freedom. This is how they did it in the Bible. Now, I'll tell you, there's going to be another Passover coming. It's not going to be called that, but it's going to happen again. Jesus, when he comes back, he will look, as it says, I will look for blood. He will look for the blood of Christ applied on the heart, saved people. He will look for the blood applied. That's all he looks for. And where it's not there, death will hold them fast, just like it did in Egypt. It's going to happen again. It says, then your lamb shall be without blemish. This is a wonderful thing. The lamb was severely inspected. Imagine how you would inspect a lamb if your child's life was on the line. Their children were there. You would inspect this lamb. And everyone in the household was saved. For them, it was law. For us, it's grace. Why? No one paid any attention to the behavior of the people in the house. The angel didn't pass over going, how they, are they treating each other nice? What are they doing? Are they being good little Jews? He said, I look for the blood. The lamb was inspected, not the people. Friends, Jesus was inspected. You were not. The people in the house could have been fighting. Brothers kicking brothers. You know, I have two boys. That's what happens. It wasn't like, oh, they don't deserve it. The lamb was inspected. Just the lamb. No one else. That's the gospel. That's grace. They knew their family would be saved because of what this lamb's offered. They knew their future was guaranteed. They had favor, wealth of Egypt they got. They had freedom and deliverance. All of those things because of a lamb that was inspected. The lamb had to be born pure. It couldn't be made pure. It had to be without blemish. What's that? The virgin birth. Had to be born pure, without sin, without defect. But it could be made defective. Literally, if a lamb like, that's why they would wrap it up, these little born lambs. They would literally wrap them, every leg, so they wouldn't run into something and now have a blemish. It could be made defective, but it had to... Jesus says, what does it say? It says this. He was tempted as we are and yet was without sin. Born pure, could have been, never did. Never sinned. It's the same all the way through. Everyone in the house, everyone in the house was saved. The lamb was inspected. Friends, we have to be free. When we take communion, we've made it the opposite Make sure you're doing well. Make sure you have no issues. The lamb was inspected. Jesus was inspected. Not us. And we flipped it on its head. <laughs> Jesus, <coughs> sorry, eating supper with his disciples in Matthew 26 is likened unto a lamb. In Exodus 12, being fed its last meal the same thing. 
Bible says he is the Lamb of God slain before the creation of the world. What's the difference? The little lamb, let's picture a little lamb. Okay, there's a little lamb here. You see it? If you actually see it, come for prayer. So, <coughs> picture a little lamb. That little lamb, right, it offered, what, what, it's a little lamb, but it offered salvation in its blood. They looked at that lamb and said, this lamb offers salvation. What's the difference? Everyone around that lamb in Exodus 12, they were greater than the, one, than the thing that was being offered. The people were greater than the animal. It offered salvation, but because it was less than the people, it had to be done again every year, the blood of bulls and goats. Jesus, now, in Matthew 26, he's the lamb of God. But now the lamb is greater than the benefactors of what he offers. So it's a one-time, once-for-all sacrifice, never has to be repeated. All of that in communion. All of that here. All of it. When you take this. I'm going to read you something. Can I read you something real quick? I said it's about the love of God. I'm going to prove this to you. (coughs) Sorry. I got a little... I'm not sick, I promise. I'm fine. But I just got it. You know when you swallow wrong and it just stays down there? It's like... Interesting. So, the Jewish betrothal process. I'm going to quickly read this to you. Uh, please hear me. I don't know if we're going to go a little long, but this is so powerful. And we'll take communion. In the Jewish world, they would have betrothal, then there would be a spir- period of time, then they would have a wedding. To them, betrothal wasn't like our engagement. It wasn't like, okay, we're engaged, nah, change my mind. It was like real. It was as if they were married. The covenant, they, it was, they had to get a certificate of divorce. I mean, it was serious. But they wouldn't live or sleep together or anything like that until th- the marriage, which was a, normally about a year later. Okay. So, with this understanding of communion, this is the process. First, there would be arrangements prior to betrothal. This would include the practice of the father selecting a bride for his son. Think about Abraham and Isaac. He sent the servant to get a bride for his son. Okay. Then there would be a marriage contract called a ketubah. And this includes the provisions and conditions of the proposed marriage. So the groom would promise to pay what was called the bride price. I think it was a mahar. Yeah, mahar. And then the bride would stipulate her dowry, what she brings. Okay? The bridal payment, or the mahar, is agreed upon and paid by the groom to the bride's family at this betrothal ceremony. But ultimately, it belongs to the bride, and it's given to her in full. She gets some of it, but then it's given to her in full when they get at the wedding. Does that sound familiar? We are saved, and we'll be saved. Then they would go through separate ritual immersion called the waters of mikvah, where they would each be taken what we would see as baptized, but it had to be done separate. Okay. We too were selected by the father to his son's bride. We were selected. Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world in love he predestined us. The Father chose the bride for his son. We have a marriage contract, the ketubah, the new covenant. The groom agreed to pay the mahar, the bride price, which was what? His life. He paid it in full. 
we get some of it now. It will be realized in full when he comes back at the wedding supper of the Lamb. He literally followed this process. We give our lives. What's our dowry as a bride? We give our lives. We are kept for him. We give our lives to him. The waters of mikvah happen separately. Our husband Christ, the, the groom, with John the Baptist, us as baptized believers, separate waters of mikvah, all the way through. Then they would come and do the actual betrothal ceremony after they were waters of mikvah. And after they had gone through it, they would come together under this little thing. Who knows? You've heard the hoopah. How do you say it? Chapa. There we go. Jew. She knows. They would come together under this thing. And you know what it actually represented? It represented, this is temporary, we're going to do this, they would do the ceremony under there, but this represents there's a new house coming. So they would kind of do this betrothal ceremony underneath there, and they are now officially betrothed, which represents a new house. Then the husband would leave there and often would actually say, remember me. He would leave there and go back to his father's house and build a house often in ancient Israel, on his, on, like, attached, like, uh, what's the word? Addition to his father's house, because they understood inheritance. So when the father died, he inherited more, and then the son, more. So he had built an addition. <clears throat> and only the father would decide when he thinks the house is ready and his son is ready, and then he would tell the son, you can go get your bride. This communion, the Lord's Supper, it was literally to the Lord. He went through the steps of a Jewish betrothal ceremony at the Last Supper. Then he starts to have a conversation with them. What does he say? He says, I'm going to leave. You will not see me anymore, but do not fear. John 14, it was the same conversation. I go to build a house for you. Hello? It says, I go to build a house for you. If it were not so, I would not have told you. In my father's house are many mansions. As Jewish people, they're going, hang on, hang on, hang on. This looks like that. They understood it. <clears throat> and he says, I will come again and I will receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. If there had to be a divorce after the betrothal, even though they weren't technically together, only the husband, now a sexist, that's sexist, it's got nothing to do with that. Only the husband, Deuteronomy 24, only the husband could issue a certificate of divorce after betrothal. Only the husband. Why? Because only Jesus, only Jesus can decide to separate. And you know what he says in Hosea? He says, I will be betrothed for you, to you forever. I will not betray you. You, we don't realize how safe we are as believers. Our eternity, our destiny, our inheritance, our salvation, our future resurrection, secure. Then items at the end, just before they would separate, items, this is the last part, items would be exchanged, such as a ring. And then a cup of wine, right at the end, was shared to seal the betrothal. And then it was sealed. It was done. Jesus said, I will not drink of the vine again until the marriage supper of the Lamb. And then in his departure, he would give her a matan, a gift, 
a very big gift. He said, this is for you while I go. So you don't have to work. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to, I've taken care of you while I go. You know what that word matan is in the Greek? Charisma, charisma charismata. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, listen, I have to go, but I'm going to send you another helper in the same conversation. I'm going to give you the greatest gift I can give you as my bride. I'm going to give you the one <coughs> who was with me on the earth. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. He's going to teach you. He's going to show you. He's going to be everything to you I was. It's the greatest gift. He's going to be with you as a guarantee, the Bible says, of what's to come. So I'm giving you this gift. And then he turns and he says, please remember me. I mean, think about it, friends. That's what it was to him. He turned and said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember me. Don't forget me. It concerns me that he said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? So he does this and he says to his bride, to, his, to you, he says, my body is for you. My blood is for you. I've given you a gift. I've taken care of everything. You don't have to earn it. It's all taken care of. My father, then when he says, when I come back, they say, when are you going to come back? He says, no one knows the hour. Not even the angels, but the father. Exactly the same. Only the father of the groom says, only the father knows the day. But I'm going to go build a house for you. I'm going to take care of everything. Then I'm going to come and take you to where I am. And you will receive everything in full. So please don't forget me. Remember me. Remember me. When I take it, I literally I take it and I say, Lord, I remember you. <laughs> remember what you did. Everything your body did, I can be healed. Everything your blood accomplished, I have peace with God. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. I that's communion. That's that's communion. And we have fellowship with his body, fellowship with his blood. We grow in intimacy with God. Are you guys good? It's such good news. Really. I'm going to ask you when you take communion. I try to take it every day. You can't take it too much, for real. We've known of people that have taken this when they're sick. And I've, I've, I've been they were sick and they got healed instantly. Because they suddenly understood what 1 Corinthians 11 is about. To discern the Lord's body. To discern what it paid for. And to receive in myself its life and its power. We've known of people that have had cancer or other terminal diseases. And not all, of course. But they, they just had such a revelation. And, and they did medicine. It's not like, oh, you can't. They, the Lord's, they did all of that. But they took this every day. Just for health. Every day I'm going to take this for life and for health. It's not a magic pill, but I do it in faith. And I do it in faith. And I do it in faith. I take this and I pray for the unsaved. Because the blood of that little lamb had to be applied on the doorpost. The blood is in the house of the Lord. And we have something to, sh to tell them. We have good news. It's not you better be better. No, we have good news for you. I encourage you, I take this and I just pray for my family because it was for the household. I pray, God, for my children. I thank him for what he's done. I thank you for my salvation. I thank you, God, that I can't earn this, that you've given me the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, make it real to me. Sometimes I take half an hour to take communion. Sometimes it takes me 40 seconds. And I'm saying that to set you free. Because in my heart I know what this represents. And I'm busy. And so I just grab it and I say, Lord, I thank you for your life. I thank you for vitality. I thank you for strength. I thank you for who you are. Boom, let's go. My heart's right before God. Can you guys grab one of these, please? So it's kind of, kind of complicated. You've got to pull this little plastic thing. It's like in two layers. Can we stand? Yeah, Clint, can you make it sound wonderful? And friends, please hear me. People get so religious. They're like, well, you have to text this one first, and then you have to say these words. And I, 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 I'm just being blunt and honest with you. Get away from that stuff. It's the heart. It's the heart. And then people say, well, <clears throat> can a normal person take communion? Doesn't it have to be blessed? And can I'm, just, I'm just being blunt. Can I just be real? Catholics, a lot of them actually understand this very well. You know the only difference, really difference, between Catholic communion and ours is they believe it becomes the body and the blood of the Lord in a sense by blessing it, by, by, um, by what's the word I'm looking for? Consecration. So a priest has to bless it and then it's the real thing and so no one can take it until then and no one else can touch it. We actually believe the same thing but according to the New Testament it becomes that by faith. That's actually the only difference. It, we believe it by faith. It becomes by faith. And the Bible says when you get saved, everyone is a priest. It's the priesthood of all believers. So you have the authority to take this in your hand and recognize that in your hand you hold everything his body accomplished, everything his blood accomplished as a priest in the house of God, as a son in the house of God. And you can just thank him. God, I thank you. You don't have to be serious. It's joyful. It's exciting. I do it with haste, waiting for, waiting for freedom, just like they did in Exodus. I say, man, deliverance is coming. Freedom is coming. Lord, I thank you. I give you thanks. I'm grateful. <laughs> That's communion. So, what I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ask him to just play that, just like he is. And I'm going to just pray, but we can just take it however you choose. I'm going to just leave it individual. Just speak to the Lord. Anything that you don't have to know all the things and know all the lists that I've given and all I gave you a lot. Anything that's in your heart, anything, whether it's healing, whether it's for a person you don't know, you just want to take the opportunity to say, Lord, let's apply the blood there. Give me an access point. Help me speak to them. Whether it's for your own heart, Lord, I feel far from you. I thank you that I can't earn it. I thank you that your salvation is free. I thank you that it cost you your life so that I could have life. Lord, bring me back to you. Whether, whatever, everything his blood and body accomplished, I encourage you, close your eyes for a second and just speak to the Lord. Take it. And however, it doesn't have to be one before the other. Just, and it's, it's exciting. It's good news. It's health. It's freedom. <clears throat> and you can take it whenever you choose. Father, I thank you that you chose us as a bride for your son. And I thank you that you qualified us. Jesus, I thank you for your blood that cleanses, redeems, sanctifies, justifies. I thank you for the life that's in your blood. 
I thank you, God, for all Jesus' body accomplished, that in this is life, in this is health, in this is healing. Lord, I pray for those sick here today, for those with COVID at home. I pray healing, healing upon them, Lord, for your body is our healing. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you that this we can do as often as we want with joyful expectation of good. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you, Lord. And all God's people said, so be it. Amen. Guys, it's a good, exciting, wonderful thing to do. I encourage you, take communion at home. Take it by yourself. Take it with your kids. Don't take nearly as long as I did with your kids. Just tell them what to do. All right? Bless you. Love you. And uh, have a wonderful week. And thank you for your grace. I know it went a little long. I encourage you, not because I preached it. Go take this message. Listen to it. Study the stuff. Go look at what the blood did. If you want the notes, email the office. Get into it, and your freedom is there. Amen? Bless you. Amen. If you'd like prayer for anything, there will be a ministry team over here who would love to pray with you. Once again, on your way out, follow the directions behind the giving tree. Please participate in that. This is the last week. Otherwise, be blessed. We love you. We'll see you next week. Good morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and find out how to connect with us. We look forward to meeting you. The Giving Tree is up. Each year, we partner with One Hope Ministries to bless children in our area at Christmas. Stop by the tree in the lobby to pick up an ornament with a child's name. Purchase your gift and return it by Sunday, December 12th. Want to share in the joy of distributing the Giving Tree gifts? Bring your family and join us on December 19th to pray for the families and bless them with the love of Jesus. This is always a special time. Look for details on our events page. On December 10th and 11th, we will be hosting a special conference on the topic of spiritual warfare. From Restoring the Wells, a ministry of Ken and Michelle Grenfell, comes an opportunity to experience real freedom and hope Break the chains that have held you back and become free to experience all that God has for you. A time of ministry will be available Saturday following the morning session. Visit our events page for more information. Are you in need of prayer support? Our team would love to pray for you. Email your prayer requests to prayer at freelifechurchva.com to let us know how we can pray. Stay informed of upcoming events, holiday schedules, and weather closures by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Scan the QR code or text free life to 41400 to sign up. Remember, to learn about all of our upcoming events, please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.